What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at DeepDiveFF, on Instagram at DeepDiveFantasyFootball, and as always, check out the website DeepDiveFantasyFootball.com. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Tuesday, so we're going over waivers. We're going over all the games, what we learned. I'm ready to get to it, and you know I'm going to be completely transparent with you guys, just like I am every week. Last week was a horrible week for me, like I told you guys, um, mainly just in my leagues. You know, I just had a lot of bad games all around because, you know, I tend to have a lot of the same players through my leagues, so I'm usually kind of consistent week to week somewhat, and... Um, yeah, last week I was probably, let's see, in 11 leagues, I was probably like five and six. So it was a bit of a rough week for me. But this week, whoo, boy, let me tell you, 11 and 0. Well, actually, one of them is coming down to the wire right now in the Rams game. But it's, you know, actually my my free league. So I'm not too worried about it anyway. But um, yeah, a great week for me so far. And I mean, it's going to be a good week regardless. Then I won the head-to-head with my boy Nate. If you guys listen to the unhinged podcast when we drafted DFS lineups against each other, I pulled out the win. He was able to. I I let him replace Aaron Jones, of course. I'm not going to make him start somebody that was out. He replaced him with Calvin Ridley, who put up 20 points. So he didn't lose anything there. Um, it was a close one. It was a close one. I can't wait to the next time I bring Nate on to do it again. And uh, we'll see if I can keep the streak going. We'll, we'll, we're going to make this a, a regular thing, hopefully. So that was cool. That DFS content was awesome. And, you know, a lot of the guys we talked about had great weeks. So that was cool. But let's get into waivers because, I mean, that's the most immediate thing, the thing that you need to know as soon as possible so you can get that stuff in before Wednesday. So we're going to get into it. Carlos Hyde, he is a really good waiver wire pickup. He's probably the number one pickup uh, on the week, in my opinion, because Chris Carson is week to week, not day to day, week to week. So he, that means he's probably going to miss at least one or two weeks. Carlos Hyde has been playing pretty well with Seattle this season, and we know the running backs do well in Seattle. So he's been good when he stepped in so far this season, and I expect that to continue in Carson's stead. And I would put around $5, 5 to 10 because it's only, you know, it's just like Boston Scott last week. It's a week or two rental, but it's going to be in a good situation. So I like Carlos Hyde. He's only 11% owned. I also like Jamichael Hasty, 21% owned. Jeff Wilson, he ended up being the guy. You know, it's always so hard to predict that 49ers backfield and who's going to do what which week. But with Wilson Hurt, McKinnon on IR, we don't know if Coleman's going to be back yet. Hasty is pretty much the guy there. It's Hasty and McKinnon. And for some reason, it doesn't seem like they like to give McKinnon a lot of carries. Maybe they're just afraid he's going to get injured again. So Hasty looked good. And with Wilson being carted off due to his ankle, Hasty's going to get probably, probably, I have to say it with hesitation because the 49ers always surprise us with the running back room. But he's probably going to lead the room in carries. So I would put around 2 to $4 on him. He's 21% owned. Then Nelson Aguilar. That was an awesome hit. I don't know if you guys remember, but I was saying he, I, I put him in my tournament DFS lineup, and he was somebody I liked as like a super low-cost, low-owned value play in DFS, and he hit easily. I think he had like 20 points versus my Buccaneers because, guys, I know my Bucks, and I knew 
that despite our defense being really good, the place where we have leaks is the deep ball. And I knew the Raiders were using Aguilar and Ruggs on the deep ball, and the Bucks would prioritize stopping Ruggs, not Aguilar. So that's what they did. And all of a sudden, Aguilar was the one who had a good day. So that happened. He, you know, had nine targets. So that was pretty good. That's why he's worth a pickup. But honestly, for me, myself, I wouldn't put any money on him because he's not going to be consistent. He's going to be relying on a touchdown to have a good fantasy day. And there's a lot of options there in that Raiders offense. Then we have Harrison Bryant. I'd put a couple dollars on him. He's going to be good with Odell gone for the year. He tore his ACL. And Austin Hooper's out for about one or two more weeks. So Harrison Bryant's going to be good in that, you know, during that absence. And he might be, you know, in two tight end leagues, maybe he's worth a look um, still once Hooper is back. But I wouldn't really go that far. But yeah, for the next two weeks, Harrison Bryant is a good option. Then you have Sterling Shepard. He's only owned in 29% of leagues. This surprised me. I would put about $3 on him. Him and Darius Slayton are the only guys to own in New York in any position. I don't want Daniel Jones. He's horrible on any of my rosters. I don't want any of the receivers except for Slayton and Shepard. And honestly, Slayton's not consistent because he's a big play guy on you know not much volume. Shepard is going to be the one who's going to be consistent but not have nearly as high of a ceiling week to week as Darius Slayton. And then I don't want to touch the running backs. You guys have heard me say that a million times. Then we have Rashad, Rashard Higgins. He's only 1% owned. Also, similar to Harrison Bryant, it's going to be a benefit for him of OBJ being gone for the season. He did really good. He was 5 for 5, caught all of his targets, and you know he, he made some sick catches in that game. But he is a guy that's been in the league for a little while, and that's why I would prefer, if you're talking about picking up someone and holding them for the whole season, not just for a week or two, that's why I would prefer Donovan Peoples Jones, DPJ, baby. If you guys have been with me since the offseason, I know about half of you have, and the other half of you guys are new, um, listeners wise. But for those of you guys that followed me in the offseason, you guys know how much I loved Donovan Peoples Jones before the NFL draft. Once he landed in Cleveland, I was like, man, that sucks. He's behind Odell and Jarvis. Hopefully, he finds his opportunity because I do believe that the talent or the cream rises to the top eventually it always does and Tyler Johnson was another guy so Donovan Peoples-Jones he was my wide receiver either eight or nine coming into the NFL draft before landing spots happened and Tyler Johnson was my wide receiver nine or ten and both of them look great with what they've done Donovan Peoples-Jones he had three targets caught all three of them one of them was the game-winning touchdown at the buzzer another one of them was on the same game-winning drive in the last minute and so it seemed like, you know, Baker had no problem throwing him the ball in clutch time, which is always, always a good, you know, si- like, oh man, I'm losing my words. It's always a good way to tell, you know, if that guy's going to be good and get a good target count in the future. That's basically what I'm saying. So yes, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I would prefer him over Rashard Higgins, unless you need a wide receiver just for a week in, you know, a bi-week replacement or something. I do think Higgins over the next one or two weeks will be better, but I think Peoples-Jones will steal that job. Now let's talk about what we learned, because there wasn't too many waivers to go over, just a couple running backs from injuries. Um, Oh, also, Chase Edmonds, I'll have to say his name, even though he doesn't fit my criteria, he's well over 35% ownership, but if he's on the waiver in your league, you have to go get him, he's been really good, and Kenyon Drake is now possibly being put on IR, so keep an eye out for him. Now let's talk about what we learned, we're going to start with that Thursday game, Eagles-Giants, Carson Wentz. 
he made a, a few dumb plays, for sure. And it's because he's trying to play hero. But he had a lot of great plays as well. And to me, that shows why he's a good quarterback and why he's a good fantasy option. You guys have to remember, he has nothing. He is throwing. He's putting up numbers, and he's throwing to a bunch of undrafted free agents, and he's being protected by an offensive line made of undrafted free agents and late-round picks. And then Dallas Goddard is also out. So that was just talking about the receivers and the offensive linemen. Also, Miles Sanders is out. Dallas Goddard is out. Just once everyone gets back, Goddard, Sanders, Rager, hopefully Djax, maybe Alshon, but I'm not really thinking Alshon's going to do anything. Once all those guys get back, and Ertz too, he's going to be so much better. And he's already playing good, and his schedule gets pretty easy, and it has a good he has a good fantasy playoff schedule. I love Wentz for the rest of the season. And Travis Fulgham, he's legit, I think. I mean, we've, we haven't seen him for long enough. For, that's why I say I think, because we haven't seen a huge sample size, but he's been really good. And, you know, he was bouncing around practice squads, and he's a rookie, I guess he's just one of those guys that shine brighter under the lights. And that's great for Wentz because he really needs somebody stepping up right now. Boston Scott, he had a nice touchdown at the very end of the game. So he didn't do, you know, he did a lot more than I thought he was going to do. That's for sure. And he looked good, but he's only got one more week until Sanders is back. So don't get too excited if you got Boston Scott. Daniel Jones had a fluky good day and he still messed it up. He fell. He fell. I'm sure you guys, there's no way you guys have not seen this. He fell on an 80-yard touchdown run. It would have been an 80-yard touchdown run all by himself, nobody near him, and he just falls. And, you know, the gifs on Twitter, or gifs, however you want to say it, are insanely epic. You got to go look at those. And then he had a touchdown to Golden Tate. That was a bad throw. It was severely underthrown. And Golden Tate grabbed it off the DB's helmet and broke a tackle to get into the end zone. So that was also a fluky play. Pretty much all of Daniel Jones' fantasy points were unreliable going forward. So I'm not getting excited all of a sudden by Daniel Jones. And there's rumors that Golden Tate is on the trade block. There's two destinations, and you guys probably heard this on the last podcast, that I really like for wide receivers. One I brought up and one Nate brought up. Nate brought up the Eagles, and I brought up the Packers. Obviously, Golden Tate was with the Eagles last year, and they're in the same division as the Giants, so the Giants are not going to be trading Golden Tate to the Eagles. So if they do trade him, the Packers are a pretty good destination, and he would fit nicely in that offense with Devontae Adams. They could put Tate into the slot and have MVS on the outside or Lazard on the outside when Lazard gets back. That's a pretty nice trio. So I like that. Keep your eye out for that spot. And then lastly, Wayne Gallman. He looked decent in Devonta Freeman's stead, but I'm not excited at all for him in fantasy. Like I said, not touching the Giants running backs at all. Then we'll move to the Saints-Panthers game. Mike Davis, guys, it finally happened. He is looking more and more like the Mike Davis these past couple weeks that I remember watching. Because once he took over for McCaffrey, I was not excited at all because he was not a guy I remember being quick, having burst, you know, being able to have great contact bounce, all that stuff. And all of a sudden, he was like a different guy completely. And I was like, man, he must have been grinding with McCaffrey in the offseason, doing the same workout plan as McCaffrey, getting explosive and everything. Because Mike Davis is a lot younger than I thought. He's only 26 or 27. But last two weeks, he's starting to look more like that just plotter guy that's not too explosive and whatnot. And it's perfect timing because McCaffrey might come back on Thursday. Might. It's a long shot, but he might. But that means definitely he should be back 
Unless they play him and they shouldn't and he re-injures himself, he should be back for sure next week. Robbie Anderson, he out-targets DJ Moore again, but DJ Moore has the vastly superior day, five targets and two touchdowns. It's not sustainable, guys. He is vastly overperforming. DJ Moore is not the number one target in Carolina. And yes, he's like top 20 in targets among wide receivers in the NFL. And he's in the number 12 wide receiver right now in fantasy PPR formats. But he has so many big plays over the past two or three weeks that went for touchdowns. That's not sustainable. He's not getting the targets. That I mean, he does have a good amount of targets, 17th, I think, 17th in the league so far through wide receivers. It's good, but it's going to come down, and his fantasy points are going to come down because those targets are not going to lead to as much points as they are now. So if you can get rid of DJ Moore, he's going to be in my sell high column later. But yeah, go ahead and do that if you can get a, a, you know, a good return on him. Alvin Kamara was good, of course. We don't need to talk about him. He's always good. Who stepped up in Michael Thomas's and Emmanuel Sanders' absences? Because you would think it would be Traquan Smith. No. Jared Cook. Nope. Marquez Callaway, a 2020 this year, undrafted free agent. He had 10 targets, 8 receptions, 75 yards. He's a guy to keep an eye on. Then we can move to the Washington football team versus the Dallas Cowboys. Andy Dalton gets hurt, and he was horrible before that. But his injury, you know, hopefully he's okay. We don't know the situation there yet. Ezekiel Elliott is struggling in a really bad offense, but I do expect him to come up a little bit at least. Um, He didn't get many receptions versus Washington. I think that that's going to come back up to where it's been all season. He'll get receptions. He'll still be a back-end RB1, most likely between like that 8-12 range. And also, the Dallas offense was on the field so little, it was hard for any Cowboys to be good. They had so few offensive plays ran. CeeDee Lamb only had five targets and no receptions. Amari was okay. Gallup had two targets, no receptions. And unless the Cowboys get Fitz or Jameis, one of those two people, and Jameis is a long shot, but Fitz is looking pretty likely. Unless they get Fitz or Jameis, I am completely out on this offense. Also, one more thing that I saw floated out, kind of interesting, because they're saying the Jags might be contemplating benching Gardner Minshew. If they're contemplating doing that, then that means they're giving up on him. There's no point to have him on the roster He's somebody else that could do really good in Dallas and be good for those receivers. So that's a third name I'll actually throw into the mix with Fitz and Jameis. Washington, on the other hand, finally, finally, guys, they committed the carries to Antonio Gibson. 20 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown. Who knew this guy was so good? I think we all know who did. Terry McLaurin, still a target hog for Kyle Allen. Think of DJ Moore last year. DJ Moore, despite not having great touchdowns, was good for fantasy. He was very consistent. He got so many targets from Kyle Allen. He was the clear number one. That's basically what McLaurin is in this Washington offense while Kyle Allen is at the helm. So pretty much McLaurin's good with any quarterback, but you love to see it with Kyle Allen because Kyle Allen's not a good quarterback. And it tends to be the case when you have a quarterback that's not great that they just over-target their best receivers. Logan Thomas, he pulls in another touchdown, but I believe he only had four targets, so I'm not picking him up, not buying into that yet. Bills, Jets, in a slam matchup, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary show why they will both be frustrating for fantasy and why I want nothing to do with them. In PPR formats, PPR formats, they combined for 17 points. That is atrocious, and this was versus the Jets. Cole Beasley gets massively targeted somehow. He got 12 targets. He has a great day. Diggs continues getting mad targets. Josh Allen was saved by his rushing. He had 
I don't think he had any passing touchdowns, actually. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but Josh Allen had a, a pretty bad passing day. He was okay in terms of, like, completion percentage and stuff, but 61 rushing yards, that saved him. That's something you always love to have with fantasy quarterbacks is the rushing ability. Similar with Kyler Murray. Not that Kyler Murray needs saving because his passing didn't struggle or anything, but whenever you guys have a quarterback with rushing ability, that's always great for fantasy because it like it raises your floor so high. So that's always good to have with Josh Allen. John Brown, he's going to be returning soon. Hopefully that will help Josh Allen um, come back to that like top five or borderline top five quarterback for fantasy that he was when the year started. Denzel Mims, rookie, made his debut seven targets, four receptions, 42 yards in his first game. Looked pretty good. Uh, he's somebody that I, I'm excited for in dynasty formats, especially if they're bringing in Trevor Lawrence next year. Not much to take other than that from this game for the Jets, other than the fact that Mims is a good hold and just, you know, wait and see what he does the rest of the year. Moving to the Texans Packers, Aaron Rodgers continues to be great. This week, it was only to Devontae Adams. This is insane, guys. Listen to this. Devontae Adams got 16 of Aaron Rodgers' 34 throws. That is almost 50% target share he got 16 targets 13 receptions 196 yards two touchdowns 44.6 points in full ppr and you would have thought for sure that is the best wide receiver point total of the week because pretty much in any given week that would be the highest but then tyler lockett went off sunday night football which we will get to jamal williams is the backup clearly to aaron jones he looked good And I just want to mention, he has the same exact trainer as Ronald Jones. And Ronald Jones and Jamal Williams did everything together in the offseason. They were both out in Phoenix, Arizona, working in the desert. And they both got significantly better. So hats off to the trainer. Um, Maybe I actually follow him on Twitter, so I might send him a message. But hats off to you, man. You did a great job with Jamal Williams and Ronald Jones this offseason. A.J. Dillon, he got five carries. I'm not going to make a judgment on somebody off five carries. Brandon Cooks gets nine targets again. So I'm telling you guys, he is a wide receiver too the rest of the season. Will Fuller got six targets. Randall Cobb got 10. It's pretty random right there. I'm not worried about it. But Cooks, over three weeks since Bill O'Brien has been gone, has been very consistent. Over 10 points all three weeks, about 50 points total between the last three weeks. So that is great. I love Brandon Cooks rest of the season. Steelers Titans you guys remember when I said the Steelers defense has a weakness on crossers and slants guess what AJ Brown took a slant to the house the exact type of plays I was talking about on the unhinged podcast with Nate so you know I I got a few things got a few tidbits for you guys here Deontay Johnson when healthy is the number one wide receiver for sure at this point Nate was talking about it he's been on it since the offseason like I said, you guys got to check him out. Follow him at NateNFL on Twitter. He's got great content. And he was all over that Steelers wide receiver room in the offseason. And he's been pretty good in his accuracy right there. Deontay Johnson, like he said, and I'm completely on board, especially after this week, is the number one wide receiver there for sure. I would then say Juju and then Claypool. James Conner continues to be great. Snell did take some goal line carries, but he only had two carries total. So I'm not worried about that at all. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes a lead back will get, you know, his team to the red zone and then they'll get pulled out for a breather. It happens. Don't worry about it. Juju had a great day. 14 targets, 9 receptions, 85 yards. Chase Claypool completely disappeared. Derrick Henry was bottled up as I thought he would be. He still got 15 points, but 
when I was talking about him as a sit for DFS, of course, for, for his price, 15 points is nowhere near what you need out of somebody that expensive. So, you know, the Steelers defense brought it. They did what I thought they would do, held Derrick Henry down. A.J. Brown continues his crazy efficiency. I was way too low on him this offseason. That was definitely a miss for me. I had him about, I think, wide receiver 18. Yeah, when he's healthy, he's it seems like he's a locked in top 12 wide receiver. Even though he doesn't get crazy targets like all the other guys in that range, he just does so much on a per-target basis. Corey Davis, he's an okay flex in deep leagues. If the Titans are in a pass-heavy game script, you have to pay attention to that. If it looks like the Titans are going to be running out the clock and dominating a team, you can't play a guy like Corey Davis. But if you're in a deep league and it seems like they could be in a, you know, a game where they're either behind the whole time or just having to go back and forth blow for blow on offense, then Corey Davis is a good flex. Lions, Falcons, holy Falcons, holy Falcons, man, Todd Gurley tries to go down before scoring a touchdown and fails and the Lions win. This is how it happens if you have no idea what I'm talking about. The Falcons are down by one point, by one point, there's a minute left on the clock the Lions have no timeouts. This is what the Falcons are doing. They're playing for the field goal or for the last second touchdown. You run the ball, you run the ball, you run the ball, you don't get in every single time. You get as close as you can, don't actually score, and bring the clock down to kick a gimme field goal. It would be, you know, if you're at the one-yard line kicking a field goal, that's a 18-yard field goal. Nobody's missing that. I could make an 18-yard field goal. So you either play the field goal and win the game at the buzzer, or you just, for some reason, you can punch it in to the end zone with like 20 seconds less, 20 seconds left or less. But instead, Todd Gurley scores with more than a minute on the clock still, and he knows it was, you could tell, he knows that it was a mistake because he tried to not go in, and he kind of like unathletically fell into the end zone trying to stop himself from doing so. And then the Lions get the ball back with just about a minute. No timeouts. Go down the field. Touchdown pass to TJ Hawkinson. Wins the game. The Falcons just continuously blow better's minds, first of all. All the models that have like win probability, the Falcons just love proving those things wrong. It's just crazy. And Gurley, he had, because of that, he had another good game. And look, he's playing Carolina Thursday night. That's a good matchup for him. You're either selling him before that and using that game as leverage. Hey, look at his matchup on Thursday. It's great. Or you hold him for that game. Hopefully he does good like he should because of the matchup. And then you sell him. But you need to sell him within the, you know, within like seven days from now. DeAndre Swift, he had another good day. He's a back end RB2, I think, the rest of the season or a high end RB3. Marvin Jones, guys, he has a pulse. He's still alive. Six targets, five receptions, 80 yards. Galladay is good. Duh. And by the way, I'm kind of disappointed that Marvin Jones had a good day because I was really kind of rooting for him to just have a bad day so we could all get over him and just drop him. Now it's like, ugh, should I drop him? Should I not? Honestly, I can't even answer that for you. Falcons, they spread the ball out na- nicely. Calvin Ridley continues being better than Julio because of touchdowns other than Julio's huge game last week. And my low ranking on Matthew Stafford this offseason is looking really good. He had a, you know, meh day, 18 points, versus a dream matchup in the Atlanta Falcons. Browns, Bengals, this was a fun one. Baker had a good day, and everyone's freaking out. Guys, he played the Bengals. He played, I'm going to say it again, played the Bengals. 
Yes, I know he had five touchdown passes. It's fine. He played the Bengals. Odell Beckham is out for the season. Donovan Peoples-Jones, baby. I told you guys about him before. Three for three, 50 yards and a touchdown. Watch my boy. And I kind of made this uh, short little thing. Uh, (laughs) Oh, shoot. I totally forgot I put this in here. All right, we're going to try this out. Ready? My name's Rashard Higgins, and I'm here to stay. That's what you think, but I'm really just a short-term play because I'm going to lose my job to DPJ. You heard it here first at Deep Dive FF, okay? There we go. That's out the way now. <laughs> I was way too nervous for that. Burrow looking like the stud fantasy quarterback. I knew he was. We're just going to roll past that. Joe Burrow looking great. I had him inside my top 12. He was my quarterback eight on the season. Right now, I believe he was quarterback nine, and he's only going to get better from here, baby. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Both of them as well. I was really high on this offseason, higher than pretty much anyone else, and both of them are looking great. I'm honestly like, I'm taking mad victory laps for this Bengals team because I nailed the projections on this Bengals team this offseason. And Gio, Giovanni Bernard, he showed the team he is no mixin, but he was great for fantasy. 49ers Patriots. Ew. Ew. Can we just not? Can we just not talk about this game? Like, seriously, 49ers backfield will never be who we expect. Kittle is the only safe guy there because Debo's no longer the only receiver. Him and Ayuk are going to hurt each other all season. Jimmy G sucks for fantasy. He always has. All the Patriots suck for fantasy. The end. This is the analysis you're hoping to get with me. Right there. There you go. Deep dive fantasy football. Um, 49ers. Ew, ew, ew. Patriots suck for fantasy. Boom. End of analysis. Buccaneers. Patri- er, oh, I said Patriots. Buccaneers. Raiders. Um, let me back away from the mic. Let's go! Let's go, baby. Bucks are the best team in the NFC? Possibly? I think so. I think it's very close. It's very close. Brady, he spreads the ball out. I told you guys last week, he is a point guard. Antonio Brown coming into the mix won't help anyone except for Tom Brady and my Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a team. But for fantasy purposes, it's going to make it what's already kind of frustrating for Evans and Godwin owners even more frustrating. I think Evans and Godwin are both going to be wide receiver twos the rest of the season. Gronkowski is a back-end tight end one. Apparently, him being used as an offensive lineman was really just his way of warming up and getting his feet wet into the NFL again. And, you know, the last three weeks, of his, he's been running a lot more routes, getting a lot more targets, looking a lot better. I think that's all it was. It seems like he's back to being the receiving tight end that he always was. Obviously, he can, bro- he can block great still, but you know what I mean. Ronald Jones versus Leonard Fournette. It's going to be random, guys. I still like Rojo as the lead guy, though. It's just going to be a situation you're going to have to be able to live with. Either you're willing to play Rojo and you know, take those great games that he'll give you, those 18, 20-point games, but also live with the 10-point, 8-point games because Leonard Fournette happened to get, you know, more work or happened to get the touchdown that week or whatever the case may be. But honestly, there's so many split backfields now in the NFL. Rojo's probably still a top 15 running back all season. Nelson Aguilar made me look like a genius. I was telling you guys about him earlier. I told you guys the Bucks had leaks in the back end. That's why he was able to do that. Josh Jacobs was shut down. As I said, the Bucks were going to make sure they did. Waller was good, though. I just really think Waller's pretty much impossible to shut down. And the Bucks' defense is legit, legit. Like, we all knew they were legit, but they are legit, legit. They're missing Vita Vea two games in a row now versus Aaron Jones and Josh Jacobs. And those running backs did squat versus them. So the running D especially is... Bar none. 
bar none. Chiefs Broncos. Nothing much to take from this game except that Clyde slightly outtouched Le'Veon and Melvin Gordon massively outtouched Philip Lindsay, 21 touches to Philip Lindsay's nine. And lastly, Albert Ogwebunam. He was still very involved with Noah Fant back. They both got seven targets. So it's going to be interesting to see if he takes away, because remember, he played in college with Drew Locke. It's going to be interesting to see if he takes away some upside from Noah Fant. Jaguars, Chargers, guys. Justin Herbert is a beast. I'm starting to think all his bad plays in college were due to having bad talent around him. Because I'm not the only one. So, And I'm not just trying to you know cover my butt. But I'm not the only one that is super surprised with how amazing Herbert has been so far. I think most people are, even the people that love him. Because all of a sudden, he was so inconsistent in college with his plays, his good plays and bad plays back and forth. And he didn't even, you know, he wasn't even at big school. He didn't play top tier competition. And versus the middling competition he played, he had a lot of bad plays. And then now he's in the NFL versus way tougher opponents. And he's way better and it's not like he's been in the NFL and he's been marinated and, you know, seasoned and he's a vet and he knows what's going on. No, he's a rookie. So the only explanation to me is that the lack of offensive talent he had around him in college was the cause of his bad decision making. And, you know, he just felt like he had to just try crazy things because he didn't have, you know, the easy, what should be open, what should be there that was never there for him. And now with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler when he gets back, but Justin Jackson's okay. I'm still not a Kelly fan at all. Um, you know, he's got he's got a nice core group right there, and they're helping him look great. Then let's go to that running back situation. Kelly outtouched Jackson, but I think this is possibly due to Jackson's knee injury. Throughout the week, he was on the injury report for it, so they probably didn't want to overwork him. And Kelly didn't look that great. To me, I, I I don't really understand all the Joshua Kelly love. Keenan Allen continues his ridiculous, ridiculous target count. 13 targets. And I, so I saw that and I was like, you know what? I need to do a quick dig right here. So I did. And here is the pace with Justin Herbert. If you remove Keenan Allen's injured game when he got injured before halftime versus the Saints, if you take that game out, so far with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen is on pace for 212 targets, 212 targets. And for those of you guys that don't know stats like that, Michael Thomas was like ridiculous high target count last year, and he was in the 180s or 190. So Keenan Allen, and we saw how good he was in elite for fantasy. Keenan Allen's on a 212 target pace, 152 receptions. That would be the record, I believe. I think Michael Thomas said it last year. I don't remember if it was 148 or 150, but I'm pretty sure 152 would break it. And then he's on pace for 1,660 yards and only four touchdowns. That touchdown number is going to come up. Lock Keenan Allen in. Lock him in to your top five wide receivers rest of the season, especially if you look at the schedule for the Chargers. Same thing with Herbert. Herbert and Keenan Allen the rest of the season are going to ball out. And I am here for it. I can't wait to watch it. Especially because I just bought Keenan Allen in one of my leagues. Mike Williams, actually last week. Mike Williams, he's droppable in standard leagues. You know, 10 team or 12 team with six person benches, you could drop Mike Williams. He's not getting enough targets. He only got three. And like I said, Keenan Allen is at like a 40% target share with Justin Herbert, which is just ridiculous. 
Seahawks, Cardinals. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. Seahawks, Cardinals. Kyler is now fantasy's quarterback one, and Russell Wilson is now fantasy's quarterback two. Both are amazing, as are their receiving weapons. Lockett exploded for 20 targets, 15 receptions, 200 yards, three touchdowns, 53 points. And there's a few people out there that had Devontae Adams and Tyler Lockett. They had 100 points between the two players. Ridiculous. So many 200-point lineups this, this week. DK Metcalf, he had a sick chase down. Look it up. Just trust me. All you have to do if you didn't see it. Type in, trust me, you want to see this. Go on YouTube, type in DK Metcalf, and suggested is going to pop up, DK Metcalf chase down. Click that. He like made up 15 yards of ground on a DB who would have had a pick six. It was Buda Baker. It's a sick chase down. You should watch it. Chris Carson got injured. His status is to be determined week to week. Chase Edmonds looked great, receiving seven targets, seven receptions, and 87 yards off of them. And he had a big run that he broke, too. And then, once again, just like last week, Christian Kirk got two touchdowns, just like we expected. But jokes aside, he is a locked-in flex now that he is healthy. That was the only problem, I believe, because since, you know, since three weeks ago, Christian Kirk has been pretty good for fantasy, and he's clearly their number two guy. Now let's talk about some buy lows, some sell highs. I'm not going to overwhelm you guys here. Some bylaws, Keenan Allen, he is the wide receiver 16 right now. And like I just said, he's locked in. You can lock him in top five from this point forward. He might not finish top five on the season, but from this point forward, he will be a top five wide receiver. Stamp deep dive FF on that take. Sell highs, DJ Moore, he's number 12 right now. I know he's getting a good amount of targets. I know he's in an offense that does, doesn't have a good defense behind him and will have to throw a lot. Look, I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but he's been way too efficient for what we've seen in his career, especially touchdown-wise, and he's not even the number one there, but he's outproducing Robbie Anderson right now just because of some big, fluky plays. That's not going to be the case. If you could flip DJ Moore for a couple guys that are in you know, the 8 to 15 wide receiver range or the RB2s, go for it. If you can get like an Antonio Gibson or a Miles Gaskin or something for DJ Moore, I'll do that. Todd Gurley, he is the RB9 right now. I talked about him earlier. Flip him either before this game or right after this Thursday game. Now let's talk about where I was right or wrong. So remember I told you guys this was almost pretty much 11-0. I, I don't know the status. I know the... So I'm actually recording this. I started recording this before the Bears game was over just because I got to go to bed a little bit early tonight. Um, so that was the reason, but um, what was the point of that? I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, victory laps. So I was saying um, I was 11-0, right? Except there was one that was like teetering on this game. I don't know the status of that. But I've had a great week so far in all my leagues. And then I won the head-to-head matchup with Nate. And we're still alive in the survivor pool. Thank goodness the Bills did not blow that game. I was super nervous. And it would have eliminated a lot of people because it was at like a 48% of the pools and survivor picked the bills this week. Um, but we survived. So we're good there and still feeling good about the rest of the season. And then, um, you know, because I was so good in my leagues, uh, all my starts pretty much hit Travis Fulgham was a great start. Antonio Gibson. These are all the starts I talked about on Thursday's podcast. Antonio Gibson hit Tyler Boyd hit Justin Herbert hit Deandre Swift hit. And then all my sits hit as well. Devin Singletary hit as a sit 
that that's confusing to say, but um, all these people I said to sit them and they were all bad. Devin Singletary, the Dallas offense, the Rams offense so far from what I saw, I didn't see the very end. Maybe something fluky happened. Kenyon Drake and Derrick Henry in DFS because his price was way too high for what he was going to produce. Then there were, there was one that I missed though. I said, start Josh Allen uh, in DFS. Obviously in regular weeks, you're going to start him, but in DFS, I thought he was a good start. He was not, he only had 16 points, but that was pretty much the only defeat dud on the week. And yeah, survivor picks, guys. We've got Seattle, LA Chargers, Colts, Rams, Cardinals, Dolphins, and Bills out the way so far. We still got the Ravens to choose from, the Chiefs, the 49ers as they get better and better, the Bucks, the Packers. We have so many, the Steelers, so many good teams that we have not even touched, guys. I really think we have a shot at splitting this million and getting to week 17. And if nobody gets to week 17, except for, you know, if we make it to week 15, then that's even better. But I think we can, I think we can do it, guys. I think we can pull it off. So keep making the picks with me. Hope you guys have a, had a great week. Hope you, hope you had a great week, first of all. Hope you do well on the waivers, get the guys you guys need. And till Thursday, I hope you guys have a good couple days at work, in school, whatever the case may be. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Peace.